0: krcl 90.9 fm hd1 in salt lake city ogden and provo 96.7 fm in park city on the web at krcl.org listener supported community radio in honor of volunteer appreciation month everyone here at the station wants to say thank you to the countless number of volunteers that make krcl K-R-C-L. From 1979 to 2022 and beyond, we would not be here without our dedicated volunteers. Whether you're a DJ, you're out hauling the tent all summer, or you're on the board or answering phones during Radiothon, it all goes to making KRCL what we all know and love today. That's the way we get by, the way
1: we get-
2: I'm Rashawn Leek, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. With so much going on in the world, from famine to wars, and a pandemic in between, there's nothing that creates a calm within the storm like a good poem or lyric. Joining me for tonight's show will be several youth poets. Abby Wilde from Harriman High School, Lavender Cox from Copper Hills, and Liberty Osler from Kearns High. And Willie Palomo of the Utah Center for The Book is here. He's been working with these youth poets, stages, slams for them, and he's a poet himself. I'm gonna be asking him to share a poem or two as well, so stick around for that. But first, joining me is Radioactive Zone Laura Jones.
3: Hey, hey, there we go, What's Rashawn Leak driving going? the show. So good to see you, it's been it's been a week hasn't it you know and i'm really grateful for the show tonight for the poetry that's to come but also for some of our guests in rallies and resources talking about mental health and in a creative way to reduce stigmatism because they run the labeled fest coming up so stick around for that but i know that you've got something going on tonight so let's get rallies and resources going with what you have happening after the show
2: well, after the show at seven o'clock tonight, we have uh, another event with uh, the Utah Film Center, the Black, Bold, and Brilliant programming. Mm-hmm. So we'll be doing "Following the Drinking Gourd." So, which is it's nice. Basically, it's it's just talking about you know like I, I wanna I don't want to give too much away. But it's really you know people getting their hands in the dirt in, in a lot of communities that are I would say food deserts mm-hmm. so it's just talking about how you can just help out your your local communities by you know starting starting farm farm co-ops and things of that nature and it's it, it we it's a documentary that just talks about a, a community that uh, took it upon themselves to really just go out there and try and make a change within their own their own neighborhoods.
3: Yeah, and there are folks doing that here. In fact, you guys will talk about that afterward. You'll screen the film online. You can still reserve your seat, I'm sure, folks. Just go to the theutahfilmcenter.org or click the link in our rallies and resources listing at krcl.org. It's under the Community Affairs tab. But after the show, you're going to do a Q&A, right? Yeah,
2: we're going to do a and a We have some uh, folks from the Mobile Moon co- Co-op. We have a local poet who was here uh, two weeks ago so i you know i think it's going to really help to give some ideas of what people can do to really really help out Mm because you know in in this world of you know what we've been dealing with last week we talked about you know russia and ukraine and you start realizing that you know how much food comes from ukraine and, and and then you know with us dealing with an inflation you realize that prices at the grocery store are starting to grow up. So if there's yeah. any way you can combat that, yeah. I guess the best way is really to start growing your own food.
3: I've been reading about the effects in Africa uh, because of the fertilizer that they're not getting from mm. Ukraine or Russia right now either. And the growing concern about a global food crisis as another fallout, another domino from the war in Ukraine. So, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, True Tales from the Agrohood on Fridays with Al, Punk Rock Farmer, we're all about growing your own food and this follow the drinking gourd hopefully will inspire some folks to to get
2: active well absolutely i think it's, it's just a good reminder that we are you know while there's a lot going on in the world we're pretty we're pretty fortunate here in utah mm-hmm. that we have a lot of space in a lot of areas that that does allow us to get our hands yeah. dirty
3: Speaking of growing stuff, on Wednesday, Facebook Live gardening coaching session online, no ticket necessary, with Wasatch Community Gardens. Mary Beth Janerick, friend of Radioactive, will be offering timely garden advice advice and answering your questions. Pressing Organic Vegetable Gardening Questions. And you can find a link in Rallies and Resources at krcl.org. Also on 420, Salt Lake City (laughs) Open House. That's just for you. Uh, An open house for transportation improvements coming to 13th East and Sugarhouse. Maybe it's good they put this on 420 because it's from 5 to 7 at Highland Park Elementary. They're talking about the road improvements happening for 13th East. If you can't be there, they're still taking public comment at 1300 SLC.com. You can learn more about the project, provide your feedback, public comment on what's happening on 13th East in Salt Lake City is open until May 20th. So folks, you can find a link to that public comment again at krcl.org, click Community Affairs, and then click Rallies and Resources I gotta talk about this on Thursday. All right. April twenty-first. Women Who Succeed presenting a conversation with Dr. Bernice King. Yes, that Dr. Bernice King. Five o'clock at the Eccles Theater. And of course, she is CEO of the King Center, which was founded by her mother, Coretta Scott King. And Friday, April 22nd, it is Earth Day. It is Did also it. the start of Radio on folks. So uh, still time to sign up for the Earth Day Jordan River Trail and canoe cleanup. There's an Earth Day art gallery going on to benefit Autism Solutions on that day as well. And then a heads up on Saturday. Um, not only is it the Salt Lake City Marathon, so base oh. yourselves, plan your trips, Get out look early. at the map, Get
4: out early. But
3: it's also the Utah Democratic Convention and the Utah Republican Convention. Democrats meeting at Cottonwood High in Murray. Uh, Utah Republicans meeting at the Mountain American Expo Center in Sandy, and what happens there is going to shape our coming elections. Folks, for those of you that are delegates and going, thank you. I appreciate you taking those responsibilities seriously, and it'll be interesting to see what shakes out on our next ballot
4: (laughs) it always is it always is
3: lastly i wanted to talk about labeled fest which gets us to our next special (iembre) guest before we (afood) bring (inaudible) on the poets okay on the latter half of the (suspわかrain) show (laughs) but coming up (inaudible) on may 5th through 7th ( gateway) it (<|ba|>.) is labeled fest ( Spotify) for mental health Thursday and Friday, 6 to 10 a.m., Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, featuring film, ideas, and tips to end stigma around mental health, disability, developmental recovery, and youth issues. Includes youth and all ages programs, plus there's volunteer opportunities to create a 1,000 homeless care kits. Lots going on, and really got to give a hand to our, our lead guest here, Brian Higgins of Mental Healthy Fit Films, Ideas, and Tips. Welcome back.
1: It's wonderful to be back.
3: And you brought with you your technical director, Josh Sampson, who is gonna be leading a breakout called Creative Perspectives. Hi, thanks for coming.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. And
0: Welcome you're you're a show, filmmaker, you right? I am a filmmaker. I mean many other weird things. And know. many other weird <laughs> things.
3: Well thanks for being here. And and Brian, Rashawn and I may may have heard us talking. Um, when we we're talking with eBay, but also intro to the show here about the last two years have been hard. I mean, there's a mental health community, folks that struggle with longstanding issues or maybe just uncovering them, the folks in the disability community, etc. And the last two years, I think, has really brought this home, how mental health is a concern for everyone, Brian.
1: Yeah, exactly. and. Especially in the past two years, it's really brought mental health to the forefront. You know, a lot of people that maybe had never experienced depression or anxiety uh, or, or or even suicidal ideation. And then suddenly they're all experiencing these issues that they don't know how to place or even how to find help. Um, and that's really what we try to do is with Mental Healthy Fit is, you know, we try to make mental health cool. You know, we try to make it, it, it it's cool to be able to stand up and say, hey, I don't know and I need help. And one thing that I've noticed now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic at least uh, and starting to to mingle again there's going to be a ton of ptsd Mm. that's going to start rising uh that that because of course we've the past couple of years it's all been existing trauma yeah uh and now suddenly the ptsd is going to come up so we really got to keep our our finger on the pulses you know to to make sure that that everything is is when uh, that everybody's doing okay you know and always reaching out
2: So, so I have a question because, uh, and and I don't, you know, we're, I'm, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but, but for people who are, you know, just getting back in there, how do we even recognize that within ourselves? Like, how would we know, like something is amiss because that, you know, no one wants to be labeled or label themselves, but, but that is, you know, that is not to say that there's not some concerns going on within so how, how would we even start to deal with that?
1: Sure. Well, first thing, our organization is not a diagnostic or a medical-based organization. You know, we're just uh, uh, ideas and advocacy helping people sort of to maybe spot the signs. Um, so again, with depression, you know, they, they say it's one in five people have experienced some form of mental health in, in their life. Um, but I would say that everybody has now. Like like the 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 telltale signs of depression, you know, sleeping, lack of appetite, uh, not wanting to communicate, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety can come up in in many forms, um, from the physical aspect of of releasing all the additional cortisol. You know, you can feel it in your chest, but some people might feel it, you know, in their legs. You know, there's there's just so many different things, and w- w- it, it is so individual to 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 everybody. So, but the main thing is if 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 you're not f- if you if you feel different you know ask for help but if you notice that somebody is seeming different you know ask how you can help them
3: you know th- th- Coming out of the pandemic, we also see um, mass shootings on the rise. Exactly. And then, in kind of reverse engineering, how did this come about? Mm-hmm. There is this mental health component always, whether we put that on the shooter because we can't grasp something mm-hmm. so horrendous, or in fact there were signs that were that were missed. Um, that's a real heavy conversation. So, what kind of conversation are you having at Labeled Fest on May fifth, sixth, and
1: seventh? Well, we kick off. This is actually the seventh year that we've done Labeled. Uh, the past two years, obviously, we've been doing them virtually. So this is the first one back in person. And we, we are going to have a hybrid festival where you are going to be able to interact virtually as well, uh, which actually is cool for the, the, the disability aspect, the ADA, you know, so that we can be uh, inclusive for mm-hmm. everybody that may not be able to get out to the, right. to the screening. But So we're kicking off on, on, on the Thursday night with our opening night film, which is uh, Polystyrene, I Am Cliché um which is the Utah premiere it's been a south by Southwest it's an incredible documentary about about uh, the the lead singer from X-ray specs which was a uh, uh, one of the greatest punk rock bands and it was the first um, female led by punk band mm-hmm. um, and of course, they experienced a lot of mental health issues from the racial activities in, uh, back in Britain, back in the days, plus all the mental health and stuff. So the, the documentary covers, you know, what it's like to try to make it in the business, you know, follow your dreams but then also trying the to pave the yeah, way mm. exactly. for all of these the struggles that you're facing. So so that's on the, the opening night, and we're going to have uh, uh, Rock Camp is going to be there as well to oh. do a, a performance and, and a panel discussion afterwards to talk about the issues that are in the film.
3: You know, I found my people by joining punk rock bands, speed metal bands, honky-tonk bands. Yeah. I mean, true. music was really helpful, and film really seems to almost be that for the current generation. And Josh, you're a filmmaker. You teach film at at the U and Salt Lake Community College, I believe. Okay. And there's another film coming up that you'll be showing on Thursday, May 5th. Um, at 8 p.m. called 828. Um, after suffering tremendous loss in 2020, including the loss of both his parents, Carrie Judd became fixated on electric skateboarding as a means of coping with grief, and the film follows Carrie as he attempts to become the first person to ride around the Iceland ring road, 828 miles. I, I think that's exciting just to go and film that guy
0: doing Seriously. that. Yeah. Right, and I think, you know, that's what film does, is it gives us a way to... Uh, experience things from somebody else's perspective that we wouldn't see otherwise, you know, for that hour and a half, it's not us. We're, we're there with whoever's on the screen. And so that's why I think using film to actually have these conversations, to have these different depictions, especially of mental health, which, you know, if you think of Hollywood movies, I don't always get it uh, so right. Um, And then we have those stereotypical ideas. And I think films like this just help us, examine what's going on in ourselves because we're experiencing something from someone else's perspective. And as soon as somebody stands up and says, hey, this is my reality, I think it's a little easier for the everyday person to represent their own reality, even if it's just in conversation, or if they want to go out and make their own film, that's great too. You yeah.
1: Know? Mm-hmm. And the great thing about 828, it, it, because one of our sort of taglines is there is no placebo in mental health because if it works for you, you yeah. know that's happy days, you know. I so know again, it works for Kerry to to go on electric skateboard around Iceland, and the film is wonderful, you know, because we all know Iceland's just gorgeous to look at as well. And you know, there's a lot of trials and tribulations even trying to make a documentary within COVID because it was shot during during full COVID and and Kerry will actually be here. Kerry will be out. here? Oh, that's uh, fantastic. That's I don't know if he's bringing the skateboard though, but... Uh, you might uh, have to... I, mean, might. I think he can
2: bring that on a oh. plane. Yeah. Hmm,
3: have to bring him over to do an interview that we can share on Radioactive. That would be fun. Sure. I, I do want to talk a bit about film because I was just thinking, I was watching a preview for the next... Thor movie which looks insane to right? right but there seems to be so many superhero films there's a lot of other film too but that seems to be sucking up the oxygen that escapist escapism that I, I love to go to the nothing more than to go to the movies and get lost for two hours pay my money get on the ride have a good time we haven't been able to do that for two years
1: mm-hmm.
3: with any regularity Josh what do you think about films as a
0: as an antidote I mean, I think escapism is great, right? We all need to escape every now Mm -hmm. and again. And I, as somebody who is a teacher, as somebody who both teaches in school and is in school at the same time, uh, I need an escape just like everybody else, you know? So on certain days, I go home and I watch something mindless Mm -hmm. because I don't want to think about things. But I think film, and, and this conversation does happen, right? Even in these escapist films, we can do a little bit better job of actually exploring other aspects and I think even if you're looking at superhero movies there has been an I, effort to do that right if I was look-
2: just gonna say yeah it, it looks like it not to cut you off I apologize but yeah but it, it feels like feels like every now and again while they are superhero movies so they're not fully art imitating life you know but in some of the in some of the Marvel movies it seems like they are starting to incorporate some mental illness and things like that into the, even even the characters that we've grown up to love
0: True. right and thor is going to find himself right yeah. he had yeah, to exactly. take a break he's taking a gap year whatever uh you know he's finding yeah. himself he's trying to figure out what he needs in life and that's kind of amazing if you really think about it that that's a superhero mm-hmm. and yeah. all the super superheroes i grew up with were super right the the only thing they had was their alternate identity and the struggles yeah. there but seems like thor's going through some stuff <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna unpack and, some things. And, and he's gonna explore it. All you right, know?
3: but we do have to mention the best, ultimate, all-time superhero of all Uh-oh. time. Okay, he's loaded. Everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't seen it, please mm-hmm. do go see it. And I think there is a a theme of mental health and awareness throughout it, and about relationships and connecting. And I know that Labeled Fest is trying to create that atmosphere for folks to see themselves in some of the. Um, things that you can do at Labeled Fest, some of the things you can experience, and then also create as well. Mm. What can you create at Labeled Fest, Brian?
1: Um, well, we've got a bunch of uh, workshops. So the films are th- uh, Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday is all of our workshops. We're actually doing a, a great performance-based workshops on um, Greek uh, Greek tragedies. Oh, okay. So the original Greek tragedies, the original superheroes. Where yeah, well, exactly? They were. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so back in the days well, the Greek tragedies, when you were a warrior and you were coming back from your your extended war, they wouldn't let you back into the city. You know, you had to stay outside the walls mm-hmm. and they would make you watch all these Greek tragedies that would discuss homelessness, suicide, addiction, and things. So they would be communicating through their performance. And we've got a a, a great local actor that's going to do a, a, like a semi-Ted talk to discuss the history of Greek tragedies. And then he's going to be doing a a Greek tragedy about homelessness. Wow. Um, Who's that? Uh, Anthony Lovato. Fantastic. Uh, and I'm sure we could get him on if you want to. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you can see the wheels turning yeah. over there. <laughs> <laughs> and that is um, because we've also, because uh, I'm on the, the, the Utah Homeless Action Council with the governor, and um, we've been making a film about the, the difficulties that Utah is seeing within the homeless community, and the, the kind of areas that we're, we're trying to, to, to help out there. And that sort of leads us into creating the thousand homeless care kits yes uh, um, tell us about that yeah. now people can help so so if you do come to labeled it is free you can get tickets now they are going they're, they're going like hot kicks so so jump in get your ticket um and we're hoping that everyone will help us to create these uh care packages so uh, it'll be a clean pair of socks some uh, granola bars, uh, some water, but also what the most important is the resource card mm-hmm. that's going to give phone numbers. You know, hey, this is where you can go to get a meal, this is where you can go to get a bed, and things like that. And, you know, a thousand seems like a big old number, but if we have, you know, 100 people making 10 each, you know, we'll be able to do it. And then you can take them with you. So it, the, the kind of idea is when, you know, when you, when we come across uh, someone who's experiencing unshelteredness, you know, we can give them that um, and maybe not try to perpetuate yeah, yeah, yeah. the the maybe the substance abuse issues that are that might be going on um, so we are doing that and then we, we've got the the documentary which is the art of consent uh, using uh, art and creativity to discuss um, specifically sexual consent within the autism community because there's a lot of difficulties with um, with awareness around that and and we're going to be pairing that with our own Create Perspective. Yeah, and Josh, you're going to that? What's
3: it? that going to be about?
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, Create Perspective, um, we do similar things throughout uh, the year. Um, and it's basically just using art for mental health, you know, and exposing people to those ideas of, hey, you can use art. You don't have to be an artist to do art. Um, it always has a therapeutic effect. And so this one, we're going to uh, take an object that's important to you, realize it in different ways. And then I'm probably also going to bring some other cute little short projects that people can do if they want, you know. I'm kinda ADHD myself, uh, and so I have to have multiple things to pull out there, but it's really just an opportunity for people to make their own art, not necessarily something you're gonna hang up on your wall, but you can, uh, <laughs> but just to change that, that switch on your brain, right, and yeah. feel, hey, I'm gonna take a moment and work on this with that reflective, uh, reflective component, with that thinking about yeah. mental health Aspect that it's just a good way to take a break, allowing yourself
3: here. a moment of creativity right. and exactly. perhaps unexpectedly, you might find a little bit of spark of joy. There
0: yeah, and community build some community oh, of, right. of, a, of a whole bunch of other people who are around you, who are um, taking part in this activity, who are starting to at least take baby steps towards talking about their own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's you know, that's what we do. We have big things to try to end stigma, and we have little things just to try to yeah. tiptoe towards normalizing these conversations
2: so so I have to ask cuz you you all have touched on a a couple different things that are that are just amazing for our communities so you said you were started you started about seven eight years ago yeah so what was what was the catalyst what got what got it the ball rolling if you will
1: um well it's all personal experience for myself you know I was I was homeless for two years Um, I've been in and out of treatment centers you know most of my life and, and it was really how I started you know changing the story so mm-hmm. to speak you know giving myself a happy ending and being more creative in my in my communication you know to, to get the help that i needed telling um, your
3: story on the mm-hmm. the stage of the bee that's yeah, yeah, where we came oh, across can each just other
1: search search for me and you're gonna find <laughs> tons of me telling <laughs> stories about my 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 woes um but i'm i'm so glad to be where i am now and it was just something that i thought well if if creativity works for me you know, as I say, it's a placebo. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for everybody, right. but you know, why don't I try to at least try to start changing the conversation, you know, and, c- and creating advocacy for for people. And you know, they and that's where I started the nonprofit, which is Mental Healthy Fit, uh, which covers that. That's what the main nonprofit is labeled. First. Um, was kind of started through Alliance House. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. Um, so Alliance House is, is our, our main partner. So along with doing all the creative stuff and, and creating the conversations, we're also like a, a, a mediator to help people find the help that they need, you know? So if you are experiencing difficulties, you know, we can we can help you get in touch with Alliance House and go and have a tour and see what they're what they're all about great and, work um, over at alliance yeah. because House because it is important it the conversations that we're having mm-hmm. like you know we can't just leave people hanging and say oh yeah. draw a picture you know yeah. you know uh, <laughs> we want to make sure so that we are so helping so people <laughs> that we're helping people find the yeah. answers that they might need
3: check tonight's show notes i'll put a link to labeled fast mental healthy fit but also alliance house which is a Kind of a clubhouse uh, model of operation yeah. people who go there put the programs together there's lots of resources and it's a great organization mm-hmm. that uh yep.
1: you're involved with indeed and um, there'll be many other organizations that'll be there on on the day you know that you can get the the answers and and ask all the questions you know and and again that's what we're trying to do is just make people ask those questions make them feel comfortable that it's okay you know well, so
2: I, I have to assume with with the fact that you know you're not only a part of it but you've also lived that life it has to be so powerful if i'm in that community mm-hmm. and i see that somebody you know a lot of times you're getting you're unintentionally you're getting talked at because people don't know you know they, they know they want to help but they don't know the actual experiences so having somebody who's lived it yep. it's got to be a game changer
1: exactly and again with it's been so hard in the pandemic because we haven't been able to meet in person and that's where the beauty comes from mm-hmm. with labeled and what we do it, it's that community you know that 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 beauty that energy that that is that that's that's grown you know yeah. when people can you Fellowship know see each other and yeah. hear each other and and say yeah me too you know and um, it's i'm am ju- just so excited to get back to, to in person stuff and it's we've, there's still tickets left, as I say. You know, uh, we're 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 just about two weeks out. Uh, it is it's free. You can come to one screening. You can come to them all. Um, we're also going to have a podcast bus there that people can tell their stories. Oh, I love um, We'd love to
3: partner with you and oh share my some of those. Yes. And yes,
1: and if you have a story to tell, if you're a storyteller, if you're a singer songwriter, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a dancer, whatever whatever creative expressive arts that you practice, we are doing a competition on the Friday night um it, it is pre-sign up you know let us know but if you can if you can tell a story or communicate about either mental health disability uh developmental stuff recovery or youth issues within five minutes you know uh we do have three thousand five hundred dollars to give away in cold hard cash
3: that's some serious cold hard cash yeah. C-HC, <laughs> that's the way i like
1: first it first prize is two grand second prize is is a thousand third prize is five hundred and it is an, an audience-based vote plus a a a, a a panel of judges right. uh, so just five minutes to get on stage do your thing or show your film or or uh, do your jig you know <laughs> um, yes. you didn't tell me you know? I to do a jig or well, uh, I mean that's just one of the or stand up comedy then. or just straightforward mm-hmm. storytelling whatever yeah. it is it's, it's just we're trying to shine a spotlight on people's shadows so if you are interested in signing up for that the website is you can still get to it through labeledfest.org but if you go specifically to nevermindthestigma.org and that'll be your submission you can you can send that in to us so
3: well congratulations on seven years of labeled fest keeping it going and through a pandemic i know you pivoted and did what you had to to keep it going i know how important it is to not only you personally but to contribute to the community so brian thank you so much for being here brian higgins thank you josh sampson looking forward to your creative perspectives workshop at labeled fest
0: much appreciated
3: And folks, do check the show notes. We'll link you up and also put it in rallies and resources and the Connect page under Community Affairs. Rashaan, I'm pretty sure that I loaded the X-Ray Specs song. Yes, you did. I am a cliché for everybody. When we come back, we're going to get on what? Poetry?
2: Yeah, we're going to have some poetry when we come back. But first, I am a cliché by X-Ray Specs.
3: Salt Lake County's Green and Healthy Homes program helps create housing that's both energy-efficient and safe for low-to-moderate-income families, including refugees, and regardless of legal status. Details at slco.org green-healthy-homes.
0: KRCL brings you a mix of music specially curated by our DJs. That's an important distinction when you think about all the music you have access to. Show our DJs some love with an early donation to KRCL Spring Radiothon, which starts on April 22nd. Make your gift now at krcl.org, and thank you.
2: Welcome back to Radioactive and Roundtable Tuesdays. I'm Rashawn Leek. Coming up at 7, Democracy Now!, Vagabond Radio with Barbie at 8, Connor's Late Night Lowdown starts at 10.30, and Super Sounds with Chovy at 1 a.m. All of our programming in the Radioactive archives may be found online at krcl.org. Now let's get our Roundtable Tuesday Poetry Slam on. April is National Poetry Month, and we reached out to Willie Palomo, Utah Center for the Book, Poet, Advocate, Educator, Organizer, and Translator. And you can learn more of his work at palomopomas.com. But let's meet the poets. So we have Abby Wilde from Harriman High School, Lavender Cox from Copper Hills, and Liberty Osler from Kearns High.
4: But first, I'm going to pass the mic to Willie. What's going on, Willie? How you doing, brother? Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here with these amazing youth poets who are about to explode the stage on April 29th at the Utah High School State Poetry Slam Finals, April 29th at the Spy Hop Rooftop. We got a workshop for educators at 6 p.m., a workshop for students um, from anywhere at 7 p.m. and then at 8 p.m. is the actual poetry slam where you'll see teams that have been competing from across the state of utah bringing their best poets with their best poems fighting for you know the number one spot and we have an amazing poet desiree dala giacomo who's going to be coming from out of state um if you're not familiar with her work look up my thighs on button poetry you'll fall in love with it it's going to be a really fun night
2: Okay, first that sounds super dope. So I, I need a
4: recap because when I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit older than them.
2: Uh, so when I was in high school, we didn't have poetry slam competitions. You know, we, we had poets, but nothing to this level. So if, if we were going to a poetry slam, what, what would we expect? Especially... <laughs> when we're talking about a championship?
4: Yeah, so what you should expect, um, if you've ever watched Def Jam Poetry or something like that, that's a good reference to have. Um, In the state of Utah, what you should expect is these scenes are going to be telling all sorts of stories. You hear everything from, like, fun, goofy pieces making fun of, like, bold people at Walmart to like pieces that are like getting really real about like current issues like racism, sexism and things like that. So you get what I love about it is that you get to hear kind of the voice of what like youth nowadays think about these topics. And like it's not like they just wrote this like five minutes and go up to the mine and like do it. These um, teens have been working all year long on these poems. They've been shaping and crafting it with some master poets in the community and some folks that we bring in from out of state as well. Um, there's opportunities all around a year for them to be honing their craft. And it's a blast. There's always poems that stick with you after the evenings. I never regret seeing like, what they're bringing to the table. All right, that sounds tight.
2: All right, so let's bring in some of these poets. All right, so Abby
5: right here. Hi. All right. Cool. What's
2: up, Abby? So so why don't you uh I know we we asked everybody to bring a couple poems in. So why don't you first give us a, a little a little backstory, your origin story if you will since we were talking about superhero stuff earlier. <laughs>
5: uh, yeah. So I got in, introduced into poetry slam um, by my mom who was in charge of uh the poetry slam team at Harriman. And so I started writing poems like in ninth grade and then uh, I've been competing all throughout high school and it's been a blast and kind of a way to express myself in a way that feels more real, I guess. Cause like you've got a visual art, but like that feels a little disconnected sometimes. And I think poetry is like one of the purest forms of just expressing yourself and your feelings all at once and getting all of that kind of the vibes out from what you're experiencing in life. All right,
2: so why don't you uh, hit our listeners with something?
5: Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm doing this way that we do it in Sam Poetry where I don't introduce the title. So. I don't know, I'll
1: give it.
6: It's late one night, I'm sitting in my car eating Cold Stone ice cream. And I tell my mom there's probably some metaphor in there. And she tells me that not everything is a poem which caused me to laugh because... Bullshit, not everything's a poem. I saw my neighbor the other day from the window of my car look straight into the window of his and considered writing on a poem on the awkwardness it is to be recognized by someone you don't really know. And I thought of the fact that toothpaste doesn't taste good if you drink orange juice before or after and thought about how not everything that is healthy and good works well when combined. And I thought about how I can't sleep if my back isn't facing the wall, think of my self-diagnosed trust issues, think of all the blood I clean at work, how hard it is to tell it apart from the wet ground, and I think of my car. Parked in the garage, I don't usually get to park in sitting alone. Eating ice cream but not feeling sad, thinking of writing poetry. Because I'm a poet, so obviously in any quiet moment that's all I can think about. And yeah, mom, there's a metaphor there. There's a metaphor in the way that I'm sitting. Legs smushed between the steering wheel and my body. The way I'm curled comfortably, taking up the perfect amount of space. How when I'm free of any obligation or being rushed, I still move to the beat of the music. Still wanna create and I wanna play a game with the stars. See who can come up with the best rhyme scheme. I wanna create so many things that you have to come to my door. Ask me what I'm still doing outside before I can even think of moving. And I want to write poetry about ice cream and my car, about how if you eat ice cream too slow, it'll melt too fast and it'll cause your brain to explode and then stop, how it's not really meant to be savored. But in the moment, it's the best thing you've ever tasted. And I can write so many poems about my car, about how I ask everyone if they've buckled up first, slam the gas pedal down next and check the speed gauge last because speed is quite literally a need in my 2009 little orange car. But the moments I slow down or stop is when I start to create whatever I can, write poem ideas in intersections, park, eat a thing of ice cream with no tears shed, and decide that this is a perfect scene for a poem. And when you tell me I can't, (laughs) I laugh, because all my poems come from nothing. And when I am in my car, I create three minutes out of two phrases, a metaphor so simple you can't understand.
2: Fire, all right. That was that was the business. That was the business. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so let's slide the mic over to Lavender Cox from Copper Hills. Hi. So my only request, as we all know, we're on the radio, so we can uh, tone down a little bit of the cursed just so FCC. Sorry. Oh, it's all gravy. <laughs> just so FCC doesn't doesn't come at us. Oh uh, no no it's all great it's all good you were doing your thing. All right, so Lavender, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of your origin story?
7: Um, So this is my first year writing. I just saw the opportunity to take the class and I took it and now it's a huge part of my life and I love it so much. Okay,
2: all right. So you gonna bless us with something?
7: Yeah, I have something to share. Okay. Do you love me or am I a synonym in a poem you put down way too long ago? Am I a shiny new Barbie doll? Only pretty when you undress me and dress me back up with new insecurities Am I a waste of space in your toy box? An idle lover begging for an empty promise Am I waiting in a dollhouse for an opportunity to be picked up again When the new Raquel doll isn't amusing enough, I know you'll call I'm begging for an ounce of your Mattel attention To not be fit in my box, it's gotten so claustrophobic in here I'm begging for the cardboard walls to feel more grounding My shelf life is is only molded to your needs your love in the form of elastic bands tied around my waist and wrists. I'm tied to your conditional love. Your games are so repetitive, and your apologies taste like plastic on my teeth. I'm so tired of your size six standards. I'm tired of knowing my a place in a world that is made for Ken. I'm tired of your material world. So toss me around, or leave me in my dollhouse to collect dust because I'll do it with a smile, alone in my prison of condescending pink. <laughs>
3: Thank you.
2: All right. All right, listeners. You getting a treat. All right. And last but certainly not least, Liberty Olsler from Kearns. Hi. What's up?
8: What's up? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well.
2: (laughs) Doing well. I love it. So why don't you, uh, I heard, you know, you got something for us?
8: Yes, I definitely do. (laughs) So I think I'll only be able to put down my roots when I'm dead. One day in my geography class, we played GeoGuessr. A game where you're put anywhere on Earth and you guess where you are. A game, and not a new lifelong obsession. Fate has never worked that way, though. During that 15-minute game, I stared at places I'd never seen before. I took in redwood forests with trees I imagined towering above me, and I never felt that small since I was five years old being held in my dad's arms. The sound was soaked up by a mass of trunks old enough to be the only holder of secrets long since deceased then, in a flash, that story was over. Now there were busy streets where life stories were lost in hustle and bustle, subway stations full of people cramped and crowded, and a strange hug you couldn't escape if you tried. But maybe the best thing I saw that round was a skyline full of flickering lights that seemed to never have an end. Maybe I didn't want to see an end because that would mean I would be back in this town. In the blink of an eye, round three started. In front of me was the Grand Canyon, rock painted in reds and oranges that looked like the sunset was painted into its very existence. It looked so similar to my home, it looks like here. I wondered why I didn't hate it. Then the game ended and a new one began. This game started when I began to create images of places I don't even think exist. I daydreamed of being anywhere but here, and as I listened to my friend's words, you have everything you need here. You don't need to be anywhere else. I didn't know how to tell them that I know that. I didn't know how to tell them that they're right, but it doesn't feel that way. I didn't know how to tell them that I'm sick, but not really. I didn't know how to tell them that I feel landlocked in our house, but the second I get in my car I'm free. I didn't know how to tell them that this city's pollution is draining my very soul. I didn't know how to tell them that I'm far sick, yearning for distant places. I didn't know how to tell them myself That maybe I'm just a coward, and one day you will wake up and see a receipt for a plane ticket, a missing suitcase, and a note with this very poem. The last line states, I've let this city rot through my bones, the aches traveling to places I haven't seen. A sickness that manifests in only one word, wanderlust.
2: All right, all right, listeners, that's what I call eargasms. All
1: right. (laughs)
2: So so I, I have some questions for you ladies because I, I don't, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I was writing like this when I was 16. I'm going to call it. So, so what is it about poetry or what is it about the world around us that inspires you to write and write what you write? And this is for, this is, it's open. So anybody who wants to grab the mic.
8: I think for me, poetry um, has become kind of an outlet for me. I don't have the best time talking about how I feel usually in normal words or in basic conversations. So being able to look around and see things and put them into metaphors and put pretty language with it is a way that I've been able to tell my story to other people and tell people how I'm feeling without having to have that in-person conversation
5: because sometimes Mm. that can be tricky for me. Mm. Nice. Um, I think for poetry, well, poetry for me is kind of a way of being able to perform everything that I didn't get to say in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because like, there's a lot of times where you're like talking to somebody and a lot of times for me, it's like those arguments that you definitely could have won after (laughs) the facts. Because like my first poem that I performed was um, kind of an anger poem about an old teacher. So for me, that's definitely been something uh, where it's just all the stuff that I wish I could say in the moment, but I can never find the right words to.
2: And what about you, Lavender?
7: Um, I think especially as a woman, there are a lot of things that we are told we aren't supposed to talk about or that our voices are quieter or they don't mean as much. And for me, this has really just been a way to get out there and tell people everything I have to say and express that and to be heard. So I really appreciate um, this platform to do that.
2: No, absolutely. Well, that's what we're all about. We're about passing the mic and making sure you all have, your, your voices are heard. So with poetry being so personal and and you are given insight into your world, is there ever like these times where you feel like I'm sharing, am, am I sharing too much? You're shaking your head. Go ahead, Liberty.
8: There's definitely uh, been times where I've been writing poetry or performing poetry, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like if my family heard this, they would go insane because... Poetry is something that you write about, and a lot of times you think that this is something, it's something from deep in your soul. It's something you've never told anybody before, but you needed a way to release it. So I've definitely had times where I'm writing poems and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? (laughs) This is like something I have never even said out loud to myself, and now I'm writing an entire poem about it. So there are definitely like things you write about that you don't think you would ever write about because they're so deep within you. But writing about them lets you understand them more Mm -hmm. and find a way to process through Mm -hmm. anything that's going on.
2: Go ahead, Abby.
5: Um, there have been like some poems that, like, sorry. Uh, there's been some poems that I've written that I've definitely, probably will never perform, and I think like poetry for me is just really it's an outlet, and it doesn't always need to be performed, but just having it out there and being able to look back and be like, okay. I've processed these feelings a little bit. Now let's like kind of work on improving that. Um, but there are some things like I've written which I've also probably been a little bit too much. Uh, I have this poem where I kind of force myself to hyperventilate because it's talking about my anxiety and it gives the people listening, (laughs) uh, they start kind of breathing like that with me as well. So I was like performing it earlier for my aunt and she's like after she's trying to get her breathing right. And I'm like, sorry, probably should have warned you about that beforehand. But um, I think poetry, like part of it's meant to kind of stab you a little bit. And so that you kind of have it stuck in your head for a while after.
7: Um, I think that there's always somebody that needs to hear what you have to say. And even if I feel like I'm oversharing, I hope that someone will relate to what I'm saying or someone will need to have heard that specific thing. But I definitely think it is hard to draw the line between what is too personal and what makes a good poem.
2: So so when when it's all said and done, I mean, you all are, you know I, I don't wanna assume, but I think you're all around 16, correct?
5: Oh, I'm 18. Oh, there we go. <laughs> all right, well, oh,
2: <laughs> you're old, I love it. Uh, so where where do you hope poetry takes you? Lambda, you got the mic.
7: Um, personally, I would love to make a collection. I think it would be just such a great opportunity. But I also think that um, teaching would be really cool because I got a lot from being taught. And to give someone else that same experience would be amazing.
5: Uh, it's something that I definitely want to continue. And whether that's... Uh continue like performing and uh, working in slams and with like that community, or whether it's coaching uh, kids, whatever. I don't think I'd ever actually willingly teach <laughs> teenagers <laughs> because that does not sound fun, and my mom did it, and that wasn't fun for her. But I definitely want to be able to work with kids who have a passion about poetry and who are trying to find a way to express themselves um, in a way that makes them feel better about what they're going
8: through.
2: I love that. And Liberty.
8: Poetry has definitely been something that's given me that outlet to talk about what I feel needs to be talked about. When I feel in other times I don't have the opportunity to do that. So with poetry in the future, I would really probably like to write like a collection and get more involved with like Utah's poetry community because I think there's a lot to be done and there's a lot of stuff that's in this community that is so wonderful. And that if more people knew about it, it would just be so magnificent that it would change the way people approach the world.
2: Yeah. Powerful. <laughs> and just a reminder, my name is Rashawn Leek, and you're listening to KRCL, and we have uh, poets on. And, and they're going to bless us with we'll, one we'll more. I know each of them have, they brought two or three. And uh, and don't think you're getting away without a poem Well, they just letting you know, brother. So who, if, who's ever ready? Grab the mic and I'll call it out. Liberty, you ready? All right, Liberty's yeah. going.
8: So earlier we were talking about poems that are like, you don't really, like it feels like a hard hit. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of those poems. Okay. I think that I'm a woman who is difficult to love. I think that's okay, but I think that you hate me. I stared at the sky hoping to see any sign of you, but you only told me this. Matthew ten twenty two. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But you never saved me, so I assumed you did hate me. Held the hope that you didn't, but you followed up with, you're right. I do hate you and I sobbed. Sobbed because I don't think I could hate you. I love you. So you can see why when I asked myself if you hung the stars in my sky and the answer was yes, I felt nothing. Nothing because if you hung the stars and you hated me, was there any hope? If you hung the stars, was there another God that could even love me? If you were the only true God, would anyone love me? As I sat at the altar, a pearl rosary in hand, I prayed for a sign that maybe you did love me, and nothing came of it. My prayers went unanswered, and in my rage, I spat on your altar. Regret hit like a preacher's hand, and thunder boomed, but your word spoke never as true. Ecclesiastes 7.9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. I could only think, there I go again. I wanted you to make me your messiah, a messenger of your word, but no artist chooses the ugly brush when painting their cathedral. Your book says my sin is beyond repair and would destroy your name, but if I am made in your name, why did you make me this? A creature of blood, tendon, and sin, if you wanted perfection, why did you make make me? In our next meeting, I sat unbelieving of you and your own home. You told me that I'm not made for everyone and left me with that and Psalm fourteen one ringing in my ears. To the choir master of David, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. The heart-wrenching part is that I'm still trying to figure out if I'm made to be good or if I'm made to be no one. I come to the revelation that I wasn't made for you, although made by you. So yes, I think that you hate me. And yes, you said I'm difficult to love because if it was easy, I would be your first choice. You're Messiah. And I've never been anyone's first choice.
2: Mm. 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 <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> All right. All right, you got it? All right.
7: It's- yeah. Okay. I was never very good at painting. I always used too much paint or pushed the brush too hard. I always mixed the colors too much or chose the wrong type of paint. I tried everything from finger paint to color by number, but... I understood painting the day I met him. I understood the simplicities and intricacies. I understood the bliss of a freshly painted canvas. He held my hand, guiding my paintbrush, teaching me exactly how to paint, for each stroke of the brush was his finger against my cheek. But the edges were split and worn, used by the painters before me. He painted the perfect picture of us. He used all the right paints and colors to make me believe that he loved me. I was the first sketch of the girl he wanted. He tried everything from ashy blonde hair to cedar brown, but the brown was always my color and never his. He painted me with my freckles and pale skin, rosy cheeks and my perfect toffee brown hair. He painted gray skies blue and made these wilted flowers come to life. Every color blended into the masterpiece that he called us. He was yellow like the spring dandelions. His watercolor skin soaked the pages, leaving it damaged and drowning. His lips, the perfect shade, i could never match the color. The rosy pink intoxicating me, our first kiss in his stupid olive green car. And when I pulled away, all I saw were those perfect hickory brown eyes. The dandelion yellow fading into gray, no longer the pretty flowers they used to be, now they are simply just weeds. He tore every layer of dried paint off the canvas like he was plucking weeds. Each of my teardrops soaking the canvas, leaving the paint smeared and running the water meshing the acrylic. To him, I'm just another drop of paint on a canvas that no one will see. I've learned to paint by memorizing every line of his skin. I mixed every paint in that stupid box just to be enough for you. But it turns out the color you loved was blonde.
2: Mm. Bring us home, Abby.
5: Okay, and Willie mentioned earlier that sometimes we have like political
6: pieces. Is that okay?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, just double no, checking just, now. Just no person. <laughs> no That's the only thing we ask.
6: Okay. An ode to Genghis Khan. I grew obsessed with him in seventh grade, which was a bit odd considering that history that year was dedicated to our state and not the Mongolian war war tribe leader who conquered most of Asia and won battles against both the Chinese dynasties and the Turks. I think I grew to somewhat admire Genghis Khan because while my father has not been murdered and my mother did not raise me as a means for revenge, a part of me has always been quick to anger, slow to forgive, long to remember. And while I'm not for the violent extermination of my enemies, sometimes part of me might be, just a little bit. So I can appreciate Genghis Khan for his leadership and his determination towards revenge. I was born into a dying world, passed on to my generation like a tradition, and I too was born to get revenge. Immediately after Genghis Khan's father died, his tribe abandoned him and his family. It was all planned. Their tribe felt like they were washing the blame off their hands as if them being accomplices did not make them guilty. I like to think they were intimidated by the potential Genghis's families held. Those ignorant always try to take down threats to their self-esteem before they become too dangerous. I like to think that Genghis Khan's mother turned to him afterwards and taught him the importance of loyalty and allies, and to remember to get rid of threats in a way so that they won't come back stronger like he did. I walked into my aunt's kitchen and I heard the people I grew up with, my relatives I thought I would change the world with, hanging on to my grandpa's every world while he rambled about Trump and how liberals are ruining the world. I live in a world where teenagers feel abandoned by the adults surrounding us as they brush our issues off as if as the downfall of teenage rebellions. I saw a BLM a battlefields be brushed aside as nothing more than a social media trend. I wonder if this is the way ignorant people are trying to take down threats before they become too powerful. And I'm worried it's working. And I can't help but remember that Genghis Khan was only so powerful because he had a way of making allies and ensuring that they would never betray him. Politicians these days claim it would be too hard to fix the issues that have been killing the earth and her people. They refuse to defund the police. Instead, they assure us there are stricter restrictions put in place when reality is just fancier paperwork. They claim it's too expensive to switch over to cleaner energies, but somehow there's enough money to build a wall around our country. They refuse to reform the prison system, claiming there's bad people and they're ignoring the fact there's good people too. Genghis Khan recruited his enemies to his cause and treated each like his brothers. He built no wall like China tried, and most importantly was a leader that people ensured, trusted to ensure their protection and prosperity. I am sick of being abandoned by the generations before me. We're all sick of being looked down on. Do you know what happened when Genghis Khan thought he was being slighted? Complete annihilation. I wonder what will happen when we realize those pushing us down are ignorant. We, the underdogs, will eventually win because history will repeat itself. And I think the earth will laugh at the parallels of what angry people can do to those who have abandoned them. Whew.
2: <laughs> Ding! All right, Willie.
4: Bring us home, brother. Okay, here's a spicy poem I had fun writing, um, but it's all true. It's called MC Rockwell. Ain't no doubt in my mind. If Joseph Smith were alive today, he'd be a rapper. A white Yeezy, (laughs) lips shimmering with lean as he screams, MC Rockwell, you know he rock well. Jack's his whole style from Porter Rockwell. Masonic mosh pit scriptures etched to the chest, praying on stage to Allah, Allah DMX. Always, they share how he declined liquor before leg surgery, but never how the operation gave him a pimp walk. Not a mean lean, but at least a lean careen as he'd saunter into harmony to ghostwrite verses drunk with Martine. Today, Joseph would enter a booth splificated, freestyling into a fitted cap. Oliver Cowdery, rewind that back on tour, selling children a false version of their history. I ain't bitter. Long ago, I forgave every man who tried to be God. I ain't better. Bet he would have found common ground with five percenters drawing subs at hove while spitting ether smoking two cracks rock until the two rocks crack. Angels erupt Erupting from shattered glass Hail Mary Screw her He'd rather screw her Married himself to Joan of Arc And every virgin saint forever Tart and feathered by the press For the sake of the fake gold And the sex Criticizing women for how they dress When he's in the streets All a mess But respect where it do He went out like a G Today he'd be insane Scarface sniffing cane, Holding a Max 16 If you know what I mean What's a church but a gang Slinging dreams to the fiends Some are priests Some are convicts But they do the same thing Billion dollars in the bank and the money ain't claim. mama's having 10% can't afford the gasoline no lie at age five I prayed to God I'd be dope as Joseph teachers claimed I'd be a prophet trick then I became an apocalypse that was fun
2: (laughs) (laughs) thank you everyone who came in and blessed us with their work I hope y'all enjoyed as much as I did and that's our show Many thanks until we meet again for another Roundtable Tuesday edition of Radioactive. Let's remember you cannot be humane without a human.
3: KRCO, Salt Lake City.